Here's the deal with the recall of Gavin Newsom. We've seen Trump Republicans across the country attacking election results and the right to vote. Now they're coming to grab power in California, abusing the recall process and costing taxpayers millions. Here's how we stop them. Every Californian will get a mail-in ballot for the September 14th election. Vote no to protect California and our democracy. Stop the Republican recall. Welcome to The Politocrat. I'm Omar Moore. It is Friday, August the 27th, 2021. On this edition of The Politocrat, holding on to sanity in a world of insanity, keeping your bearings in a world that seems to be falling off its axis, That is really a companion to yesterday's episode where I talked about valuing yourself and staying above the fray, even when it's really hard to. All of that coming up next. Welcome back. I hope that you're well on this Friday, dear listener. It's been, again, one of these kinds of weeks that the news that is thrown at you is intense and thrown at you in such a way that you think, my goodness, there's no good in the world. But there is plenty of good in the world. But again, you know, we don't necessarily get that reflected in the news that we have on our schedule that we typically watch. What is your news diet? I've asked this question before. I try to stay away from the corporate news media because I don't think that the way that the issues are being discussed and and the way that the stories are presented are in any kind of, let me put it this way, um, any kind of constructive way. I just don't. I think it's all about I know, the cynical view is coming. Alert, alert. I think it's all about advertising and it's all about getting eyeballs and clicks and retweets and all of that, ratings and the rest of it, and generating ad revenue. I mean, that's really what the news is now. And the funny thing is, is the news never used to be a profitable venture. It never used to be any kind of venture in business at all. And it seems that once the 1990s rolled around and you had the um, abandonment in the early, the late 1980s of the Fairness Doctrine and then the 90s rolled around and Reagan, that was the Reagan um, FCC, just vis- eviscerated that um, Fairness Doctrine. And then you had in the mid-90s, the Bill Clinton's Telecommunications Act of 1996, which actually really was the death knell for any kind of Uh, idea of perspectives from different sides or different areas and just one long nightmarish thing that brought you Fox News. I mean, you could make the case that the Telecommunications Act um, of 1996 really begat Fox News, which I think had started actually just before or just after that. And it just made things a lot, lot worse for, you know, 
you and me, because here in the United States, we were subjected to people talking, but not getting any balance of opinion. So that when the Iraq war came along, or I should say the Iraq invasion by the United States in 2003, when that happened, there was no contrary voice on the corporate news media channels, even MSNBC, which in February of that very same year had got rid of its top-rated host, Phil Donahue, the noted anti-war activist who I've had uh, the pleasure of speaking with and interviewing in a conversation years ago for his documentary, Body of War, which came out around the same time, around 2002 or three or four, somewhere around there, whenever it was. But Phil Donahue had the highest rated show, and I've talked about this before on this podcast way back when. Phil Donahue, who is known by many as the grandfather of American uh, daytime talk television, had the highest rated show on MSNBC, the so-called leftist or liberal network, which, by the way, MSNBC is not a leftist or liberal network at all. It is a corporate network where views that are coming from the Democratic Party and from much of the Democratic Party's mainstream, i.e. its center, is, is where those views are being propounded, but it's not a leftist network. I contend, dear listener, and excuse me for this slight diversion, that the, the any notion of left in the United States on a political basis had been ended and eviscerated back in the early, early 1970s, 1970, or thereabouts, just after Kent State. I think that leftism in the United States really was destroyed just after 1970, 71. And one of the biggest things that culminated that destruction or that culminated in that destruction was the murder, the assassination of Fred Hampton in 1969 in his own bed in Chicago by the Chicago police and the FBI. Now, these are the things that really did sound the death. Now, the Black Panthers, in my view, were the last authentic, real left in the United States. And any notion that MSNBC is always a lefty network. It's a progressive network. It's absolute nonsense. We saw what MSNBC did to Bernie Sanders in 2020. We saw the various personalities on MSNBC and how they treated Bernie Sanders in the early part of 2020. In the first quarter of the year of 2020, we saw very clearly last year how that went down. How voice after voice after voice after voice had a go at Bernie Sanders. And Bernie Sanders was winning all of these primaries and they got scared. And so you got this onslaught of personalities on MSNBC, many of whom are still on MSNBC, attacking Bernie Sanders in the most vile terms, attacking people on the left who supposedly are, you know, the left. Again, I don't think there's a real left in this country anymore. There are some progressives. There are people who would call themselves socialists. But I don't think there's a genuinely potent left in this country anymore because it's been destroyed by a number of entities, the corporate entities. It's been destroyed by uh, J. Edgar Hoover's COINTELPRO. And it's been destroyed by technology. And it's been destroyed by the corporate news media. And it's been destroyed by, quite frankly, let's be really frank about this, 
some instrumentalities within the Democratic National Party, the DNC, and the Democratic Party, the moderate wing and the moderate center of the party has played a huge role in uh, eviscerating left voices from the, percept the perceived left. And we've seen it time after time after time. I can go into this uh, after what happened just earlier this month when Nina Turner was defeated in her election bid by a centrist candidate that Hillary Clinton and the DNC spent millions of dollars on. I mean, you know, you can go on and on and on and on and on. Uh, I, listen, the same thing with Bernie's two runs in 2016 and 2020. Uh, we know we know what happened there. We know what happened particularly in 2020 with Bernie when President Obama and others made phone calls to some of the other candidates in the race saying, look, please drop out. I guarantee you, you'll have a job if Joe Biden wins and and I guarantee you, you'll be able to run again and we'll back you 100 percent. Just drop out of this race. And I guarantee you, if we get this election victory, Joe Biden will have you in his cabinet. And that's what happened. See Pete Buttigieg. That's exactly what happened. And if Joe Biden hadn't won, what what the promise was, or what I believe the promise was, and I don't know that this part of what I'm about to say is an absolute fact, so I'm speculating here. I believe that had Joe Biden not won the election last year, Pete Buttigieg would have been pushed by the DNC as the leading candidate or a very strong candidate. They would have given him a lot of backing financially. I think that's what would have happened. But we will never know now because Joe Biden did win the presidential election and he won it big. So this is what happens. This is what the dirty politics is. And it's legal. I've got no complaint that the DNC does this. I don't like it. And the reason I don't have a complaint is because this is the system that is doing this. And it doesn't mean I like the system I don't. That means we have to work to change it and get rid of it and put in a system that really does look out for people and really cares about what is right in the country as opposed to parties doing this and parties doing that. We don't need the factionalism. What we need is a better way forward for the whole blooming country. And we need for people to stop sidelining those who are favoring ending wars ending poverty, ending a system of racism and whiteness and ending misogyny and homophobia and and putting a stop to the barriers toward Medicare for all, because that's what we should be having. But, you know, there are people in the Democratic Party who don't want that. And we know the Republicans don't want any part of that. And we need to put an end to this filibuster. We need to put an end to the Electoral College. We need to do all these things. So what I'm trying to say is, is that the, the whole thing in 1996 was huge. You know, the Telecommunications Act, which passed, was huge. And it really did get rid of a lot of these dissenting voices. And so when you had the invasion in Iraq in 2003, you never saw, any, you never saw or heard hide nor hair from any of the pro-peace Voices. You didn't hear from them, but you heard from pro-war voices. You heard from retired military analysts and generals. You heard from the pundits who are closely aligned with military and the pundits who are closely aligned with think tanks, corporate think tanks that get donations and money from Lockheed Martin and all these defense contractors. You heard from them all day and all night long. But what you didn't and who you didn't hear from were the pro-peace voices. 
And that was the thing. That was ubiquitous on all these networks. You didn't hear from any of them. And so for those things, those things are critical. And we are at a stage now where the news is full of partisanship. I don't care if it's Fox and Fox are the absolute worst. They're disgusting. They shouldn't even be on television. It's extremely dangerous. Bunch of racists and, you know, and obviously people who are just disgusting. Shouldn't be anywhere near television. They should have their, their license yanked uh, and on so many different levels. A clearinghouse for violence against women. I mean, that's what Fox News is. And that's operating like it's some kind of a legitimate freaking news network. And it's not. So you've got that toxicity. Then you've got the pundits on these other networks, the CNNs, the MSNBCs. And on CNN, you know, 10 pundits sitting around a blooming table, around a campfire, getting paid fairly well for what they do, if if not getting paid overwhelming wages. And really, it's all about their conversations are really predicated on keeping a system in place. And I feel the same way about MSNBC. Look, there are alternative media out here that never get shouted out except by people like myself and others who would like to say that there are such things as free speech TV, would like to say there are such people in the world as Joe Madison, the Black Eagle on Sirius XM radio, channel 126, The Urban View, would like to say there are such people in the world as Randy Rhodes, who can be found on free speech TV, and people like Tom Hartman. I mean, people like this who give you perspectives and give you information, information that you're not going to hear anywhere else. Not going to hear anywhere else. Then there's Blavity, Blavity Blavity.com, B-L-A-V-I-T-Y.com. They provide news from a black perspective. They are black owned, not black targeted. There's a huge difference. If you're black targeted, that could be some basically white corporate network that owns the black company or TV place or channel, but, you know, it, it's, it's targeted to black people, but it's not owned by black, black people. So there you go. So that's an issue. You want to have your network owned by people who look like you if you are BET. But the thing is, BET ain't owned by BET. It's owned by Viacom and uh, the Redstone family. So there you go. So, you know, you need to go to sources that are by you and for you, and and if you're a progressive in general, no matter what your background is, you want to go to places like Free Speech TV. You want to go to places like Democracy Now! at democracynow.org. These are places to get your news, and you've got people there who engage in critical thinking, who give you the news straight. It's not sexy, and it's not shiny object-like. It is just straight down the middle, facts, which... We are starving for because a lot of people are bringing their spin, bringing their analysis, which is fine. But you've got to realize that it's spin and it's pundits and pundits are paid to say something, anything. They're paid to say anything at all. They can say the sky is green. They'll get paid for that. And then we will react to it and clicks and clicks and retweets. And the thing is, is they get paid there too. You don't think that CNN disperses probably some money out of the clicks every time there's a retweet? I mean, there's a lot of monetary scales and click-through rates that 
involve and entail this kind of stuff. So this is a lot of stuff that we're swimming in. And this is, like I said, this is kind of a, a part two in some ways to, I guess, yesterday's episode of the day before is what I was talking about. How do you stay sane in, in this news world? It's just, again, the news is being thrown at you. That's one of the things I said the other day. The news is not being provided to you. It's being thrown at you. And I, as I said the day before yesterday, I think it was, if not yesterday, the stressful breaking news music. Dun, dun, dun. It's like, my goodness gracious me. And then you find out, oh, we just rescued a cat out of a tree. Now back to your regularly scheduled programming. Or we just found out that someone forgot to tie their shoelaces. Now, in other news, <laughs> I mean, seriously, but... All of that anxiety that the news produces and provokes is not healthy for our systems. It's not healthy. Listen, I'm not a endocrinologist or a nutritionist or um, a behavioral therapist. I'm not any of those things. I am simply saying that this environment of doom, 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 breaking news is not healthy for you. It's not healthy for me. It's not healthy for us. It's a vehicle that provides high stress in an already highly stressful environment. And listen, people are going through all kinds of things. I saw a number of messages on social media, people pouring their hearts out about this. And you know, this kind of, for me saying this kind of runs counter and flies in my own face, because if you remember, the most ardent listeners and minds uh, of memory amongst uh, yours truly, amongst you, I should say, uh, not me, amongst you, M will remember way back on January the 2nd of 2021, when I asked the question, what is your personality like online and offline? Is it the same? Is your online personality the same as your offline one? And, you know, that's something that I find and continue to find and found then, you know, uh, way back, you know, nearly eight months ago now, nearly seven months ago now, excuse me, to be a fascinating, excuse me, nearly eight months ago now, to be a fascinating topic. Uh, you know, is your online persona the same as your offline one and vice versa? Because, you know, that's just a question that I think is worth asking. And I did point out in an episode back on January the 2nd of this year, the second day of the year, my goodness me, and I had said that, you know, I sometimes think and believe, if I remember correctly, that the whole aspect of spilling your heart online isn't necessarily good because, you know, there is a school of thought out there and I subscribe to it that says, well, really, do we really want to know this very personal stuff about you? And as someone said, I think it was D Nice and I was absolutely happy to see him say it. One of the celebrities uh, who is, I think is a really good person who is, worked really hard over 40 years to get to where he is. He said, not every, he tweeted out, not everything needs to be shared on social media. And I am totally in, in agreement with that. You know, we don't need to share every last detail of our lives, but some people do not care about that. Some people are really hurting. And so they are sharing every detail of their life because they want to be heard. They want to be heard. And so that's why you are hearing some of the things you see or read, I should say, you're reading. Some of the tweets you, t you, you read, if I can speak, right, are, are coming from persons on Twitter who do not have anywhere to turn. I'm not saying that they're desperate. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that for some people, 
because they may have support networks as well, but they want to broadcast this to their followers, that they want, they would like further um, people to listen, to just hear them. Maybe not even to help them. It depends on what the crisis might be. But they want to be heard. They want to be heard. And they want to be comforted by supporting tweets, reflecting supporting voices. That's the reason. And with that, just expressed by yours truly, I, I still do think, though, that there's a time and a place for everything. I mean, look, there's a time and a place for me to be cursing. I shouldn't be cursing ever on a podcast. I shouldn't really be cursing on Twitter, but I do. And I need to, you know, I'm trying to curb that some. That's just some useless information that only I care about. Um, but it's not useless to me personally, because I think that um, you have to set that example. But again, you should be cursing at the state of the world. You should be because, you know, there's the flip side of it is how, I mean, for you not to be cursing, there's something wrong with you, perhaps. I mean, I get it. Class goes a long way and decency goes a long way. And I'm all for those things. I'm simply saying that, my goodness me, some of the things that are going on on this planet now, wow, good gracious me. I, again, this is why I say, how are you doing with all of this? And again, this is, I would probably call this part two of an episode that I did, I think, yesterday, the day before, because I just don't know how you focus on the kinds of things you need to focus on when you've got this news on you. And I told you yesterday, I think it was yesterday, that you just have to turn a lot of this off. And try to find activities and things that are going to put you at a better place, in a better place or more at ease. Because what you've got now is a factory of assault. It's an assault factory. And it is very, very damaging indeed. Welcome back. And I have talked about this before with social media. I think social media also contributes to this, this sense of panic and stress. And, and of course, it's a stressful world and a stressful life as it is for you, dear listener. But I do think that there are things that also add to it. And I get it. You know, I agree. Total, total media. Social media is total media. Social media um, does contribute to this. I mean, there are some very good positives to social media. Again, communities together in, in, um, in cohesion in, in a great many senses, a lot of support in that. But there are also things on social media that aren't very good at all. They're rather toxic. And, um, you know, the platforms themselves are controlled by people who don't really give a rats and don't know what it is like to be a black person. They don't know what it's like to be female. They don't know what it's like to be trans. They don't know what it's like to be someone who is gay. They don't know what it's like to be someone, you know, I mean, there's so many, you know, people who they don't know what it's like to not have full use of your body, you know, able bodies versus uh, non-able-bodied or disabled-bodied persons. I mean, persons with disabilities. I mean, that's who's controlling your platform. People who don't care about people with disabilities. People who don't care about people who are black or people who are brown or people who are Latinx or Asian, you know, or native. People who don't care about women. I mean, these are the people, white men, who are controlling these platforms. And yet we're on them. We're on them. We're on them. I'm on them. You're on them. Many of us are on them. 
And we don't control any of them. We don't own them and we don't control them. And there is a brother named Isaac Hayes III who has, um, I think it's called, I think it's called Fan, I don't know if it's called Fan Jewel or whatever it's called, but you need to look Isaac Hayes III up. He has an app that's a social media app and platform and we should be, we should really be patronizing that and using it. It's free of charge. And these are conversations that you can have in safer spaces because you don't have a real space on what you're talking to and about now on social media. You just don't have a safe space on Twitter or Facebook or any of these because, again, you're not controlling them. If you don't own or control the space, how can you claim to have safe space there? That's kind of doesn't really make sense, quite frankly. Now, listen, I'm not against safe space. I'm for it. I want safe space. But the people who are controlling social media now, they don't give a rat's. All they care about is money. I know it's cynical central, but it's the truth. They care about money. And they don't care about your physical safety online. They don't care enough about it because, or about the racist attacks online. Because if they did care about those things, they would have done something about both of them years ago. But they haven't done a darn thing, really, in earnest. And so we still have the same damn problem. And that's the thing. And as long as we have that, we're going to keep having these issues. And the bots and the trolls and all the other stuff, this could be wiped away, really, I think, in five minutes. But the question is, who has the willingness to do it? And the question is, how much money is at stake before people decide to do something about it? How many lives are at stake, too? So, you know, this is this is really serious stuff here. And we're swimming in this. And we've got to get our way out. You know what I would do? And I don't know if I suggested this in the previous episode, the one before that. I'd read a book. I'd meditate. I'd go for a swim if you could, depending on how hot the weather is where you are or whether you're indoors. I just take my mind away from some of this because it's intense and it wears on you and you need to take a step backwards. Some will say the same thing about me doing these podcasts on a daily basis. But again, this is the thing that's going on and you've got to be good to yourself as George Michael said because no one has the power to make you happy that's what he said in his song Heal the Pain I think it's called Wait, Waiting for the Day actually but um, that was off his album Listen Without Prejudice I just think that it's really important that we listen to our hearts listen to ourselves listen to our heartbeats and listen to the realities of the day and stay away from a lot of this stuff. I mean, I'm not saying that people won't patronize it or watch it, you know, just because I don't watch it. That doesn't mean millions of people are going to follow my lead. They're going to just watch what they want to watch because they like the program or they like the host or they like this or they like that. But I just think at this point, there is nothing else to be done but to treat your whole system better. And whether that means eating something different in your life, and of course, I do promise to get a nutritionist on. I've been talking about this for the last few weeks. Um, whether it's about getting enough sleep and getting more sleep, I want to also talk to someone about that. Or whatever it might be, this is the time to do it as we hit the end of the summer. My gosh, we're literally um, officially about a month or so, just under a month away from the end of summer. But unofficially, summer's over in a week or two, which is just absolutely bizarre. Where did the summer go? I mean, it just vanished, didn't it? Just disappeared. Oh my gosh. I just hope that you stay where you are and you don't disappear. 
I really want you to try to stay sane in the midst of all of this. It's not easy to, though. It's a challenge, isn't it? To keep yourself focused and to keep yourself doing the things you want to do in life instead of falling prey to a revolving door of news that is thrown at you in such an arrogantly and negative way because all the stories aren't positive and most of them aren't and maybe one or two are, but they get short shrift. And you can't afford that. We've got to take notice of the glories and really respond to them and treat them like something because they can't be ephemeral. But we've got to do what is required of us, and that is to be better citizens and to vote, better people and to vote, better human beings and to treat each other better with respect, with respect, with the kinds of things. I mean, social media is a crapshoot with that. Um, I'm talking about in real life. I mean, genuinely, although social media, yes, you should do that too. But I know I've routinely violated that when people are doing some ass hattery things. You know, I'm not going to sit there and be meek and mild. And I know the best policy is if you've got nothing good to say, don't say anything at all. I know that's the mature policy and that's the right policy. I don't employ that too much. And maybe I need to be better in that position as well. In that situation, situation. Right. I need to be better in that situation. <laughs> I need to be better in that situation. Right. Uh, I know I need to be better in in these things and, and a number of others. I mean, listen, if I sat here, I've said this before to you, dear listen, if I sat here thinking that I was the bee's knees, um, I wouldn't even be doing this podcast, <laughs> quite frankly. And uh, I also wouldn't I'd be fooling myself. Uh, you know, we all must grow. And that includes myself. And I will never stop saying that. I will never stop acting upon that because it's one thing to say it. It's quite another thing to do it. And there's lots of us who talk and not enough of us who do. And I intend to continue to do. I know you do as well. And I think that might be the best place to leave this particular edition of the Politocrat Daily Podcast. Thank you very much for listening to this edition of The Politocrat. I'm Omar Moore. deal with the recall of Gavin Newsom. We've seen Trump Republicans across the country attacking election results and the right to vote. Now they're coming to grab power in California, abusing the recall process and costing taxpayers millions. Here's how we stop them. Every Californian will get a mail-in ballot for the September 14th election. Vote no to protect California and our democracy. Stop the Republican recall.